Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Well, this is uh, week four, and uh, this this is a uh, this is a good one. Uh, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, we have looked at uh, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, what we have seen is that uh, we begin with uh, our Father, and so we come uh, un- in Christ uh, as children of God. We, we've said before. Uh, it's not particularly PC, but we are um, we are not children of God unless we are in Christ and we stand under and in His sonship. And so, uh, but in Christ we are fully we are adopted. We're fully children uh, of God. And so we come, uh, and Jesus instructs us in Him to say, uh, "Our Father," and we come with the intimacy of a child. Uh, but He is also our Father who's in heaven, and so He is. Uh, he is uh, the Lord Almighty. He's the creator of all that is. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so our Father, with whom we are, uh, have an intimate relationship and who longs for the intimate relationship with us, uh, is also holy and great and majestic. Um, and so then we have um, two sets of three petitions. And we begin uh, the hallowed be thy name. In, in Greek, this is structurally, it's a, it's a petition. It's a request. Preserve the holiness of your name. For us, uh, let your kingdom come, uh, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and Jesus, as he begins this prayer, he orients us to the Father. Whereas uh, so many times our prayers, you know, right off the bat, uh, God help me, uh, be with this, be with this person, help this person, which are not bad things to do, except that what we want to do is we want to orient ourselves uh, to the Father first. Because prayer is uh, essentially aligning ourselves with the will of the Father, not bending the Father to our will. And so we're putting ourselves under the Lordship of Christ, un, um, under uh, inside the uh, Sonship of Christ. So we come as, as children, and we want to align ourselves with uh, the will of God. Um, praying really with, um, with Jesus in the garden, um, not my will, uh, but thine be done. So those three petitions orienting us to the Father, but then three petitions for ourselves. So we, we need to pray for ourselves. And, the, and as, um, as Martin Lloyd-Jones said, I read the quote last week, that all of all, our whole lives are summed up in these three um, petitions. It's amazing. Um, so give us this day our daily bread, a prayer for our physical needs. Uh, forgive us as we forgive others for our spiritual needs. And then uh, help us avoid sin. Um, lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil. So a prayer for sanctification. Um, interesting that he uh, he had, he addresses our physical needs. We are alive and we need to be kept alive in order to live in the world. That's uh, and to be his hands and feet, to be uh, to bear witness to him, uh, meeting our physical needs. And we talked a little bit about how we don't necessarily live our lives. Um, and we might say the blessing at you know at meals and things, but we don't live our lives as if everything that we get is from the Lord. It's um, that we are completely dependent upon uh, His uh, upon His uh, provision, uh, moment, really moment by moment. 
Uh, now some some might, um, and some may be in a position where where they where they need to. But by and large, most of us, um, you know, we're not real worried about whether or not we're going to have a meal uh, tonight. Because um, and, and yet and so we forget with the ease of how that comes of, um, that it really is Jesus uh, or the Father through. Jesus, the Son, in the Spirit, who provides for us, and that's His will for us, as He wants good things for us. Um, and so the first prayer is for our physical needs, and then the very next thing that He comes to is forgiveness of sins. Um, forgive us um, our trespasses as we forgive uh, those who trespass against us. Now, what are the problems with what, what is what is the problem, or what are, what are the problems with this verse potentially? If I don't forgive, then I'm not forgiven. And that's a problem because why? Because I don't want to forgive. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay. And it makes it dependent on us. Yeah, right, right. So is Jesus a legalist? Uh, listen, if you think that's bad, listen to what comes right after it. Verses 14 and 15 in chapter 6 of Matthew uh, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your, your Father forgive your trespasses. How do you... Okay, so you're reading, like you're reading along in the Scripture, you're having your quiet time, and you come across this verse. What do you do with it? Really, like not rhetorically. Well, Beg for what? For the ability yeah. to forgive. Okay. Because, I mean, I certainly don't have it in me. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's, you know, the same wrestling. Okay. What else? How do you, just really, how do you, how, how do you reconcile this? How, how have you reconciled, or have you not reconciled it? We preach the gospel of grace, it's not works, and yet here Jesus says, um, if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. We just skip by that one and go to the good <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> Jane. Uh-huh. 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 Okay. You have to reflect on how much you have been forgiven. Now, I think you're absolutely right. I want to read um, a uh, a quote by James Montgomery Boyce. He was a um, uh, a Presbyterian minister in Philadelphia, and he says this. He says, If we are to understand this request accurately, we must realize that it is speaking of forgiveness in one sense only, the forgiveness that is given after justification of a disobedient child of God. And we must realize that before this forgiveness is possible, it must be preceded by another type of forgiveness by which one becomes a member of God's family in the first place. And so what he what Boyce is saying is there's two types of forgiveness. There's the forgiveness that's of of an um, that begins our justification, where we come to the Lord and first time you go down at camp or you go down whatever it is that the uh, that where you come to Christ. There is the justifying sinner's prayer that you pray, Lord, forgive me, uh, for I'm a sinner. And then there is the type of, uh, and that in that we become adopted into the family of God. We become children of God. Our sins are, are forgiven. 
And then, and yet, what we know is that after our, we become Christians, that we continue to sin, and there is an appropriate measure by which we uh, ask for forgiveness for those things, even though our sins are forgiven. Does that make sense? And so, what Boyce is saying is that there's um, that this is a sort of secondary. This is these are uh, these are sins of a disobedient child. You're, you don't lose your your um, sonship or your daughtership um, after justification. Your sins are forgiven, and yet when you commit sin, it is uh, there is an appropriate place for you to ask for God's forgiveness. Um, and why do we th- why do, why can we recognize that this is a, a different kind? Is, isn't that just sort of gymnastics where we're we're trying to fit this into our theology? And here's what I would, how I would respond to that. Uh, the answer is no, uh, because we begin the prayer, Our Father. And so since we begin the prayer, Our Father, uh, we are children of God. And um, and I know as a child, and I know having children, uh, that I, uh, when I was a child, and continually, uh, that I uh, messed up and I sort of uh, went outside the bounds uh, a time or two, and, um, and I, it did not... Um, it, it did not disqualify me from my place as a Gibbs. Um, and I, I continually had my father's love. I had his discipline, uh, but I had his forgiveness. It, I was not disqualified uh, from, being, from my family name. And so, um, so that's, how we, that's how we come to that. I want to just ask, if that, how does that sit with you? Do you feel like that's fair? Do you feel like that is, um, like I said, gymnastics, where you're just trying to tumble into fit it and cram it how has it is it helpful I mean what do you think I get some nods some nods but there should certainly be um, a cause for pause if mm-hmm. you will if um, and an awakening if you will kind of a jolt um, if there's a person that, that we're having to struggle to forgive Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's certain scriptures it seems that come up like that that should just shake us, that should jolt us into what, you know, what's what's going on in the heart, what's what's happening where I'm obviously at some point haven't understood the grace of God for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I'm for some reason or another harboring bitterness or mm-hmm. anger towards someone else or others, right. I don't have. It's just a thought. Sure. Any, any, anyone else about just in terms of um, how does that sit with you? We're not talking about a justifying forgiveness, but a sort of a sanctifying forgiveness. Just consistent with the gospel. Yeah. I mean, that it is Christ's work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that that is a prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples. Mm-hmm. He taught to. Right, right. Now, you know, Jesus doesn't teach about atonement yet. Uh, I mean, he hadn't he hadn't died on the cross, so we don't have a lot of uh, teaching about atonement from from Jesus. Um, we take this in the context of of Paul and John and James and and those who did teach on um, on atonement. And yet, uh, Jesus understood it. I mean, he said he said, remember. Um, 
He said, there are still things that I have yet to teach you, but the, the Helper will come and teach you all things. And certainly I think his, um, his, repla- his substitutionary atonement uh, is one of those things. But we have to remember this petition comes under the heading, Our Father, uh, and it's, so it's a petition for the children, for the children of God, uh, those who have already been forgiven uh, in full. So let's hold on to that. We'll sort of come back to it and, and talk about a trespass. Um, forgive us our trespasses. Um, anybody grow up Presbyterian or grow up in a tradition that says uh, debts? We forgive us our debts. That's actually the, the word, like in Greek and for Matthew, forgive us uh, our debts. In fact, my English Standard Version, that's what it, what it has. And it's something that is owed. But if you think about uh, a trespass, um, I, I, uh, my, you probably know that our first, uh, my first call out of seminary was to, to Johns Island, South Carolina, and those folks got a lot of land. And they understood trespassing. And um, so you have an established boundary, and a trespass is an unlawful violation of that boundary. And a lot of times, folks, did, they weren't trespassing in order to just cut across your property to get somewhere else. They were, they were going to take something that didn't belong to them. Uh, so they would uh, trespassing often involves the uh, the taking of of something that that is is not rightfully belonging to the trespasser. And so spiritually, a trespass is the same thing. It's a violation uh, of a boundary. And when someone trespasses against us, they will violate uh, or they will cross the boundaries that we have uh, established. Against, and it, they do so against our will. And often they will take something that doesn't belong to them. Now that might be um, something uh, sort of spiritual, mental, emotional. It might be physical. Um, it might it might be physical uh, against our body. It might be physical, you know, in terms of taking something material. Um, that's a trespass. It's a it's a violation of um, uh, of a boundary and a taking of something that doesn't belong. And and what um, what happens then is the trespasser then is in debt to the person against whom they've trespassed. So that you can see how those concepts work right together. Now I owe you something. I owe you what I took, and I also owe you some restitution for the problem that you've gone through. So I the trespasser is in debt. So we forgive those uh, who owe us something, who are our um, our debtors. And yet when we trespass against God, we we violate uh, the boundary of his holiness and then we take something that doesn't belong to us and and namely what we take when we violate God's holiness his uh, created order his law uh, is that we take his office from him and what I mean by that is we put ourselves in his place we talked a lot about um, who sits on the throne we talked about idolatry and um, we talked about uh, your kingdom come we talked about how um, how we uh, try to put things in God's place and we put things on the throne of our heart and uh, that belongs to, to God. We take when we um, violate His holiness, we uh, assume a position of of authority that's not rightly ours. We take God's uh, office. We take His role uh, as King over our lives. And I don't think that we often think. Uh, and I'd like to just ask you about this. Um, I don't think we often think of our sins as trespassing against God Almighty. Um, we can see like Adam and Eve in the garden, and they had you can, we see their personal interaction, and he said don't, and they did, 
and we can see that as a as a breach of authority, and yet um, and, and we can also see uh, a trespass against our neighbor when we violate when we do something against our neighbor that we shouldn't do against our spouse, um, against our parents, or even our children. We do something wrong at work. We can see the relational problem that uh, that that creates, and we can see that as a trespass against them. Or certainly coming the other way, we can see when somebody trespasses against us. But it's hard to see our own hatred or our own covetousness, uh, our own pride, as uh, violating God's created order in our life. Um, it, it may even be hard to see external sins, adultery uh, or theft, uh, as, a, as certainly against other people, against covenants, promises we've made. Do we see those as actually uh, violating what God, the parameters that God has set as part of the created order? Does that come? Is that penetrate our consciousness? I'm just curious what you think about that. How do you think? How do you think? Yeah, yeah. Gymnastics to get there. Mm-hmm. I think that things like pride and covetousness and envy, those types of things are so ingrained in our culture that we just don't recognize them as being simple. Right. And 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 sort of our our, our definition of sin sort of is downplayed to a, to a, rather than a, a a vertical to a sort of a horizontal thing. Um, where we, we definitely can see sins against our, our neighbor, sins against our, ourselves in a sense that we um, go against what is best for us or our own standards for ourselves. But to say that they're actually against God Almighty and not just His will for us as sort of a, the police officer, but, but against the created order is, is kind of a stretch for us. And yet that's clearly what Scripture says. Think about David and Bathsheba. David, um, I mean, David did some pretty terrible stuff. He he um, he had he had plenty of wives, and yet he had, saw this beautiful woman bathing on the uh, on the rooftop, and he brought her in. And it turns out she was the wife of one of his soldiers, and he slept with her. She got pregnant. He had uh, Uriah, the soldier, killed. Um, he tried to trick him into sleeping with her so he could get out of it, but that didn't uh, work, and so so he had him killed. And David um, writes a psalm in sort of response to all of this after Nathan confronts him and tells him of his sin. And he says, Against you only have I sinned. He's talking to God. Against you only have I sinned. That's pretty offensive. I mean, what about Bathsheba? What about Bathsheba's dad? You know, like his new father-in-law. Um, 
what what I don't it doesn't say if Uriah and Bathsheba had children. Um, what about the rest of the soldiers? I wonder you know you wonder if word ever got out. I mean something must have happened because all of a sudden Bathsheba's in the court. Why could David say with sincerity of heart to God against you and you only have I sinned? You know, Joe, <clears throat> a lot of sins that we commit are are visible mm-hmm. to the uh, to our fellow man, uh, and but far more sins are committed in our minds mm-hmm. that are completely visible to God. Alone. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, that's probably why. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's all it, you know. There's a sense where it all comes down to idolatry. Right. Um, Martin Luther said, you know, I think I've said this in this class before, you cannot break commandments two through nine without breaking commandment number one. True. You can't, you can't covet or, um, or steal or commit adultery or um, break the Sabbath without saying, I know better than you, God. And, um, and, and so that's, it really is, it, it all comes down to that. And so David, I think rightly, not... I don't think David in, in this psalm is saying there aren't any consequences because certainly we see both in the kingdom and in his family there were dramatic consequences. I don't think David is ignoring those. I think he's just what he is acknowledging before the Lord is that his number one problem is is what he has done to that relationship. And, um, and you know I don't think he's saying that Bathsheba is really not part of this. He's saying that I have I have a serious problem between me and the Lord, uh, as is evidenced by my behavior. Um, so, and yet, what we said is is that you're completely forgiven. That's your justification. So, why, uh, if we have been justified, why do we need to ask forgiveness? We have general confession every week, and we pray. And, you know, we pray at the end of the general confession in our um, service. You know, help us to lean, live clean, godly, and sober lives. Then we come right back again the next week and confess as if that prayer wasn't answered. Um, but we did new things that week. We did new things that week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, you know, as you're talking, I was thinking, you know, I guess I'm thinking that when I, you said the sinner's prayer, or whatever, the first mm-hmm. time you're saying. I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I am wrong mm-hmm. all the time because really I don't even love God with all my heart ever. I don't even have that capability Right. in addition to all the other. But the mm-hmm. first one that he says, and so then I guess I think, okay, well, so he says, I know that. I know that about you, mm-hmm. and I still love you, and, and I have a realistic view of you. But then as... You know, the days go on, and I, and I do this or I do mm-hmm. that. And as he shows me, because mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't even know that I've had that thought because it's I'm still so off-center. Mm-hmm. And then I say, well, I did it again. You know, cleanse me of that one. It's almost like a, a, a mud, you know, mud being just slung at me. Or I'm slinging it at myself. Right. 
And then he's saying, okay, here's this one mm-hmm. off, this mm-hmm. one's off, this one's off. But as I come to him... Sort of spot cleaning. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, resolve. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this carpet's never going to ever be white. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's... We, we, but is that... I mean, is that... Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, th- I think I think it's both and, because we are certain we're completely clean. Um, and in fact, well, let's, I'll tell you what, let's look at... Um, John 13, 5 and 10, and we'll, I'll come back and see that. Do you remember John 13? What's John 13? You know John 13. Ah, oh, you're just being modest. <laughs> Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And um, it says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I'm doing uh, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, well, Peter said that because he, he's, he was trying to be humble, right? Um, you know, you're too great, Lord. You know, you're not going to stoop to this level of service. I'm your servant. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Peter gets wise. Uh, He says to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, uh, but is completely clean. And you are clean. When we come to the Lord in justification, we are completely clean. And yet we, um, we pick up dirt along the way. And we have, even though we are um, completely clean, there's a sense in which we don't need our hands and our head to be washed in this, in this sense. Uh, but we need our feet to be washed because we step in it every now and then. And, um, and so there is a... Uh, there is a proper sense um, of asking the coming to the Lord in, in, re, in repentance. Remember what repentance is. Repentance isn't just saying, "I'm not going to do that again." Uh, repentance is uh, coming to the end of yourself and saying, "I need a savior." Uh, your sin is evidence that you are, can't do it and that you need a savior. And John says, First uh, John one, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we have sin. We're not going to say that uh, I'm completely clean and my life is without sin now. There have been Christians over the years who have said that. Um, I have no need of forgiveness because I've been forgiven. Well, how are your last five minutes? You know. Um, So you come and ask uh, the Lord for forgiveness and his job now is to wash our feet and that's what that's what he does uh, there's a, and we have a real need for that and you can imagine um, what would happen if you didn't wash your feet I mean they would stink <laughs> they would um, they, that you would be carrying around this this stench and people would notice and couldn't wouldn't want to be around you anymore, and it's 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 like that with the Lord. It it, it would if we didn't allow Him to forgive the things, it, it would disrupt our relationship with Him. There would be a stench 
and he would be the only one who could take care of it. Um, and so we come to him and we confess. Our sin is put away, and yet there is a, there is a, um, the thing that keeps us clean is knowing that we are forgiven. Now, we're not clean, um, but the thing that, uh, if, if you have noticed in your life that sin has uh, digressed, I want to be really careful about saying that, um, because the more we know Christ, the more we understand and realize our sinfulness. Um, and it's not to say you won't sin, but you may be, th- you may be able to say in your life, I, this, these sins used to be a huge part of my life, and because of the power of the Holy Spirit in me, they're not anymore, or not as much. So there is a sense of Christian progress. And so you can say that, I mean, the, the thing that will keep us away from the, thing, the sins that we hate is the fact that God is waiting there to forgive us. Is that true? Is, is, do you know what I'm talking about? Without being specific, I mean, do you understand? Have you experienced that? It's actually God's grace um, that creates the cleanliness uh, that the law wants. I can think of a, a specific sin that that I really struggled with and for for a long time and and I hated coming back to the Lord and asking forgiveness and ultimately it was the fact that he kept forgiving me that sort of allowed that thing to dissipate in my life um, so we we need to really come to face to face with God about our sin not as not as a theory um but as a personal relationship, eyeball to eyeball, um, against you only have I sinned. And allow him to, under, to, to, to give that grace uh, to us. And what we can be sure of is that he will forgive us. We can be 100% sure. Because he is perfectly just, and to punish sins twice would be unjust, and his, that sin has already been punished. And so for us, it's forgiven. And Jesus bore it. Patrick. I want you to say it helps me in understanding how he forgives and what he forgives. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not this ranking, you know. He forgives us for our sins. It also helps me with my forgiveness of things that Mm-hmm. You know, I think in the human condition we kind of rank it. You know, our what's happened. You know, the, they did this to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's easy to forgive. They did this to me. Oh man, mm-hmm. there's no way. You know, but it helps me understand. Hey, he's not. Real. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it helps me with my forgiveness of the things that were, you know, mm-hmm. the sins that committed against me because I know that you know he's doing the same to me. So I think it all kind of ties together. Right. Absolutely. All right, so let's come back. How does that, how does, with the, the spot cleaning idea, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. the, well, I must appear and I must appear, and how, how does that, I mean, how, how does the foot washing, I mean, how, how does that speak to what you're asking or what, what you're talking about? It definitely does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's still on me if I can't ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amy. It just makes me think of, I mean, as, as, you, as you've been talking about this part, I can't help but think of our daily bread. You know, like that, and God could have made it work however he wanted it to work. You right. Know, he could have made it so that when we um, 
accepted his gift of grace and Jesus at the cross that he could have made it where you didn't have to ask mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. But then, and of course it's not that it's his will that we sin to come back to him, but it's almost, I mean, it's, it's sort of that daily bread. It's like we, we need his forgiveness every day, but it also that fosters our relationship with him. Right. You know, right. We wouldn't, we wouldn't feel like, you know, we needed to come back every day for that for that daily bread of provision, but that our forgiveness is just as much a need of his provision. Right. That's right. Now there's this, uh, but there is a problem though. That's the problem with with uh, as. You know, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we've kind of said we we're sure that. Uh, there's, there's different kinds of forgiveness, and we're sure that there's not our forgiveness isn't conditional, and yet um, it says as. Um, and what I was kind of hoping was that, you know, looking at it, I, I kind of came up with this idea. You know, what this is probably temporal. Is forgive us our trespasses as wow. while we're forgiving other people. And I looked it up, and it's not. <laughs> It really means in the same way, and um, and so we remember this: is the children's prayer, we're justified. Um, but it brings us to Matthew uh, 18, where Peter asks. This is right after Jesus is talking about um, if someone sins in the church, and you go to him with one person, and then you go to him with two people, and you bring him before the church. It's sort of that. Peter asks, how many times should I forgive my brother? As many as seven times, because that's that's double the number of times that the rabbi said, plus one. And um, he thought he was being great. And Jesus said, uh, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. And then he tells this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Uh, when he began to settle, uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is like several billion dollars. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring the master, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and just forgave the debt. So he owes them billions of dollars. He said, oh, I'll pay it back. No, you won't. Um... And the, and the master forgives the debt. Paid in full. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Not an insignificant amount of money. Um, maybe $10,000. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused, and he went and put him in prison, until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And Jesus says, So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother 
uh, from your heart. Now, so there is a relationship between our forgiveness of others and God, how God forgives us. Now, again, we come to this. This is a children's prayer. You're not going to. You you are forgiven of all your sins, including the sins of unforgiveness. I mean, that has to be the case. So this is a sanctification prayer. And we pick up things on our feet that start to stink and inhibit our relationship with God. And one of those things is unforgiveness. And I would say that if there is someone that you have not forgiven, uh, then you have not understood grace. And what I, what I don't mean is that you're a loser and you don't get it. Um, what I mean is that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and that it is natural that we would not make every connection that we are called to make. And so if there is someone that you have with, uh, are withholding forgiveness from, then that is an area uh, of your life that you have not put under the Lordship of Christ. Now you're forgiven, and yet now it's, now it's on the surface. And you need to deal with that eyeball to eyeball. Um, when uh, I, I learned this from, from um, a different study, but uh, when the Crusades were, ha- uh, were happening uh, and the Europeans were going to take back the Holy Land and, and, um, and they were hiring mercenaries, uh, they, this was a Christian war, right? And so they, they made sure that their mercenaries were baptized and the mercenaries would go under the water, but they would hold their swords up out of the water. So they were baptized, but they could do anything they wanted to sort of with their sword. Now, there's all kinds of things that we hold out of the water. Forgiveness is one of those things. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord, but you you, just, you really don't understand what this person did to me. us to forgive, um, isn't it a predicate that that the offending party um, sort of confess? I mean, we, in other words, we we obtain forgiveness from God upon confession um, and upon sort of. I mean, we don't we don't just if we don't if we don't confess to God, you know, our sins, <clears throat> though justified. I mean, we. We are not in a right relationship with God unless we confess. Who who initiated that relationship? The the what, between you and God. Oh God. And so He dealt with your sin before you dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Now there was a point in that transaction where where we said, "Please, Lord, forgive me." But we could never have made that request without His initial grace. And so I, where I totally get the justice of what you're saying, I think that is very true that likely the person that I'm holding, uh, withholding forgiveness from, it's my lack of forgiveness is hurting me much more than it's hurting them. And that I can forgive them in my heart without their needing to come to me. Um, and here's the thing about Christians, we have a place to put it. Um... Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. 
including the sins against us that the person hadn't confessed. And so we, we actually have the power and the grace and the Spirit to, say, to let Jesus die for the things that have offended us. Now, it may be very helpful in the relationship and healthy and for that person, for them to come and confess. But no, I do not think you need to wait for that, for them to come. Uh, in fact, I think you should not, for your own benefit. Um, let God deal with them, but release them. It, forgiveness, you know this, forgiveness is not saying it didn't hurt, it didn't matter, that there weren't consequences. It's saying I, there, it hurt and it mattered and I release you. I mean, if God waited on me to come to Him, then I would not be, none of us would be here. Um, God love, we love God because He first loved us. And I think that that is the model, in my experience, that is the model, um, that it will be impossible for the offender to love unless we first love them. I mean, the, the one who had, the offended party, the one who has been trespassed against, has, in a sense, has the power in that relationship. And grace, I think, says the one with the power lays, lays the power down. Um, so I'm not saying at all they shouldn't confess and ask forgiveness. But at, but because of Christ and what He ha- if He has forgiven us, because we are continually getting our feet washed, and the power of the forgiveness, and somebody said it is all about the forgiveness that we've received, that if we really understand that, I don't think we'll be able to hold grudges long term. Um, if we allow that to come under the water, um, there's no there's no justice in it. In that sense, we're not called to justice. I think that that's, yeah, I mean, that's unconditional love. Yeah. Well, it's almost counter conditional love. You know, it's there is a condition, but the condition's already been met by Christ. And if we let Him be, Christ is a mediator between us and the Father, but He's also between the me, the mediator between you and me. And so, if I offend you and I haven't come, if I have, if I've trespassed against you and I have not come to you and asked for forgiveness, you can still put my sin on the cross, so that you, in your heart, for your own health and for your relationship with God, can release me from that. I was a couple of thoughts. One was, you know, I think, I was thinking also, there is uh, pain that we experience that the trespass wasn't against us directly, but against someone mm-hmm. we love dearly. Sure. Um, the trespass was against them. And <laughs> well, yeah, godly some of us. Yeah, I can forgive you for what you did to me, but not for what you did to my kids. I mean, that's that's truth in life right there, man. I, I mean, anyway, trying to, yeah. trying to, so this person didn't trespass against me, they trespassed against somebody I love, and, mm. and I, I want to strangle this person. Person, is what I want to do. Um, anyway, so I th- that was one aspect I thought of. You know, how to, how do I process? Thank you. Yeah. How to process forgiveness there, and then secondly. But you can still, even that, you can still put on the cross. Now you might have to deal with the consequences in in this life, but in terms of forgiveness, like you can put that on the cross, so that you can deal sort of rela- rationally. And I think um, secondly. Um, that, that sanctification process 
uh, and forgiveness continues because, you know, I may have released someone, mm-hmm. um, and then I, and then something is said or something happens, or I see that person, or I see something associated with that person, and it brings up the pain mm-hmm. all over again, and and now I'm all, you yeah, know, riled up again or, or something like that, and I, and so you know just the process mm-hmm. of forgiveness and you know, trust being damaged and yeah, the, and and an ability to. Seem, seem to reconcile mm-hmm. have you read the shack some of you have some of you are told don't read that it's um it's uh i mean it's it's not scripture so don't take it as scripture um and i think that's where people get upset upset with it but uh, there's an amazing i mean one of the most powerful literary uh, pictures of forgiveness that i that i have come across and that uh, the the whole thing about the shack is that this guy's uh, daughter was murdered and he sort of comes face to face with the lord uh and um <coughs> Very creative sort of way, but um, so the guy forgives the murderer, and and he's he takes a like literally like physically takes a step and says I forgive you, and then with the next like he has to he has to say it again with the next step I forgive you, and he, and that's like his whole life from there on. I mean he forgives him, and then he has to take another step and say I, I, do it again, but he has a place to put the forgiveness. I mean, he has a place to put the penalty. Uh, whereas before it was just eating him alive, because uh, he, he he was holding it inside. Last thing we're we're running short on time. Yeah. Oh, about eating him alive. I, mm. I heard John Harper put it in perspective one mm-hmm. time when he said withholding forgiveness is like taking a poison pill. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to hurt the other party. Yeah, that's right. That's that's great. Um, so think about it in your in your, I mean think about it in your life. Think about it in your family. Um, think about it in your marriages. Um, think about it in your former marriages, and um, and just ask the Lord what needs to come under the water. And um, and it will it will not improve your justification because that can't be improved. It's but it will improve your sanctification. It will improve your relationship with Him as He washes your feet. Um, so let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have been forgiven. And we thank you that in our forgiveness that you continue to forgive. We ask, God, that you would give us the grace to forgive others uh, against whom we are holding grudges. Wash our feet. Give us the courage with Peter to allow you to wash our feet, to trust you with the stench rather than holding it ourselves. We pray, Father, for mercy in that regard. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.